Good morning. So good to see everybody here and to hear those sounds of praise we sing. Uh, even though some of us didn't know the words, they we made some noises. <laughs> we certainly appreciate those little kids that they sing out and they'll learn. And uh, I'm so always been moved by the the singing in this building. I remember the very first time I was here. As a matter of fact, a little over 14 years ago, I just just think I remember that today might be the, the 14th anniversary of preaching here, and so uh, starting on uh, 15 years now, and uh, where does time go? I look at some of these uh, young mothers and fathers, and I remember when they were little ones, <laughs> and now they've got little ones, and so... Pretty, uh, pretty amazing to see, and so thankful to have been a part of it. We're going to talk to, this morning about how our church family can help us go to heaven. You think about the need for the church. You know, the church is where the saved are, certainly. Can we be saved outside of the church? No, we can't. Uh, can we be saved with, can we be faithful let me say that. Can we be faithful to God without the help of the church? And I don't think we can. Or we can maybe, but we certainly, it's a lot easier and a lot more productive when we have the help of one another. And so, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about how our homes and families can help us go to heaven. And in that sermon, I talked about the various roles of members in, in the home uh, and that everyone has a part to play in helping one another get to heaven. You know, the, the home was really the first institution put in place by God. It goes all the way back to the garden when, with Adam and Eve. And it serves as a model, really, for the religious institution of God, the church. And so, you know, you think about it, there are a lot of parallels between uh, the home and the church family. Uh, just like in the home, there is the authority figure. The father is to, to be an authority over the home. Uh, the mother and, and wife is, is under him, and then the children are under her. Uh, but all are under God. Certainly we see a similar parallel in the church that you know God is over all. The elders uh, rule in the congregation. They have the authority in the congregation. Uh, their authority is not separate from the Word of God, but their authority is in the Word of God. Uh, and uh, then we also, as members, we need to treat each other as brethren. As mothers, you know, the elder people were to treat as mothers and fathers, just like we would treat our own mother or father. And the younger folks or those that are our age were to treat uh, as brothers and sisters. And so I uh, get a little ahead of myself there. But uh, the question is, how can my church family help me go to heaven? And, and really, uh, the simplest answer is by practicing brotherly love. You know, we're told in Hebrews 13, 1, to let brotherly love continue. You know, just like the home is based upon mutual love each member has for one another, the church, especially in the local congregation, is also based upon the mutually, mutual brotherly love that we each have uh, one member for another. And again, notice the familial connotation of the word brotherly. We're to treat one another as family. We are family. You know, we can't always help, well, we can't help which family we're born into. But we can choose to be a part of the family of God. And so, in a way, we're choosing this family. We're choosing this, this family. We're choosing to, to love one another and treat one another as 
brothers and sisters, as mothers and fathers, uh, as a family. And so as a congregation of the Lord's church, we are all family. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, Paul uh, tells that evangelist, he says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. He says it is the house of God. The house of God, the family of God. Uh, the word uh, translated house, according to Thayer's Dictionary, is a house or dwelling place, a domicile. So it's the, the building. But also, it is the inmates of a house. All the persons forming one family, a household. Uh, and uh, he goes on to say, the family of God, uh, as of the Christian church, the church of the Old and New Testament. And so it is the family of God. So there is that family aspect. We're to treat one another as, as we would our own family. And in fact, uh, you know, there is that uh, uh, friendship where one sticks closer than a brother. The friendship, the love that we have uh, should supersede all other love. Except for the love of God. But we're all brothers and sisters, brethren. In Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17, Paul there says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, or the children of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You know, the, the idea of the, the phrase, or the word Abba, it's, that's something that really I can only apply to my own father. Uh, and so, you know, in the Aramaic, it's within the home. It's what a child would refer to his own father. He doesn't refer to someone else's father as Abba, but his own father uh, he refers to as Abba. And so that is the relationship we have with God. He is our father. Uh, verse 16 goes on to say, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together. And so we're joint, each one of us is a joint heir with Christ. Uh, and also implied in that is we are joint heirs with one another in Christ. And so again, we see that relationship of brothers and sisters. In verse Timothy chapter 5 verses 1 and 2, it says there, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. And the younger men as brethren, the older women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. Here in verse 1, I don't think he's just ex exclusively talking about those that are in the office of the elder, but uh, anyone who is older were to treat them as a father. Does a child in the home rebuke their father? They don't show respect when they do. And so we're not to rebuke those older than us. We're to treat them as we would a mother or father. Now, we can rebuke them in a spiritual way, let's say that. Uh, but we're talking about uh, just in, in general, we're to treat them with respect. And even rebuking them, we have to treat them with respect as we would our own father, as we would our own mother. And so uh, we're to treat one another like a family. Uh, you know, we think about uh, it, helping one another go to heaven. It is important that we practice brotherly love. You think about faith and love, and there is that link together of the two. 
We cannot have one without the other. We cannot really have faith without having love. Uh, Both of these graces are essential to salvation. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. And so what avails? Faith demonstrated or worked by love. And so there is that connection. You can't separate the two. Ephesians 6.23 says, And and peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. You think about uh, the connection between faith and love. It's very similar to the, the connection between faith and works. You know, is faith which is worked by love. You know, the devils have faith. James chapter 2, verse 19, and tremble, but their faith is not a saving faith. It's evidenced in their hatred for God, for mankind, and for one another. And so again, Hebrews 13, 1 tells us to let brotherly love continue. You know, where it does not continue, the church soon ceases to be a church. A family ceases to function as a family. You know, of all duties enjoined by the Scriptures upon us as believers, the command to love brethren is very prominent. You know, you think about Colossians chapter 3, verse 14 says, And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of per- perfectness. Above all of these other things. And he goes on, you know, if you look at, uh, go back to about verse 12. Where he says, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, longsuffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, even so, or so also do ye. And above these things, put on charity, put on love. You know, if we act in love, we're going to be doing all of these things that he mentioned. And so above these things, love. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8, it says, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. That's again the idea of love. That agape love. That brothers and sisters are to exercise toward one another. You know, if we get along together, We must learn to so love as to overlook what we might consider the shortcomings of our brethren. You know, it's real easy for us to to focus on the the negatives of people. I say, well, this person does this, that, and the other thing, and I don't like him because of those things. We've got to learn to overlook those things uh, and and overcome or overlook those shortcomings, what we might consider shortcomings. You know, without brotherly love, We cease to function as a family and we show no evidence to the world that we are the disciples of Christ. You know, if the world looks at a congregation and they see nothing but fighting and fussing, they don't want to be a part of that that congregation. I was in a congregation years ago right after preaching school in a very, very small, isolated town in West Texas. And the congregation there had a terrible reputation in that little town. That people were just, oh, yeah, 
I remember when I told a friend in town that I was moving somewhere else. I'm not surprised. You lasted longer than most of the preachers there. And uh, so those people, they don't get along. That was a reputation in the town. And so no one wanted to be a part of that church. Uh, not even me. <laughs> John 13, verses 34 and 35. You know, Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. That's the evidence of our love, of our faith, that we are Christ. We love one another. 1 John 3, 14 says, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. And so think about uh, if we don't practice brotherly love, if we don't have the sacrificial uh, agape love, we, we've got to have both kinds of that. You know, we think about love, and, and there's multiple definitions in Greek words that are translated love. Agape is that higher love, that sacrificial love. And then uh, we talk about Philadelphia, which is translated brotherly love or brotherly kindness. It's the love that we have for one another. We're to have both kinds of love for one another. Uh, and so as we look at this and we think about the things that promote unity in the local church, uh, we think about brotherly love. And we, we think about uh, where it comes from. First of all, it comes from our union with Christ. You know, we mentioned a moment ago that we are joint heirs with Christ. We are heirs together of the grace of life. And so uh, we are heirs together. And so that's because, you know, there is unity between us because of our uh, devotion and our relationship with God. It's not only benevolence, but it's a feeling of certainty and joy. As the Father loves His family and delights in them, so our Heavenly Father delights in us. You know, we have a, a description and a demonstration of this love in Ephesians chapter 4. Notice in verses 15 and 16, it says there, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. In other words, we're building one another up in love. We're treating one another with love and with respect, and we're doing the things that edify and help one another to grow closer to God. Brotherly love is like a vital a part of the bloodstream of the body. Without it, there can be no progress or growth. When you have symptoms of illness, you know, think about that. You take a blood sample. They're taken, they're tested, and they'll tell you what the problem is sometimes. Where there is a lack of gladness when you take that sample, a lack of joy and peace in the church, uh, we had better have our love checked and tested. And, uh, you know, brotherly love, always, and I mean always, in every way possible, seeks to promote unity in the local congregation. Now we're going to read a few verses here. Romans chapter 14, verse 19. Uh, it says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. He's talking in the realm of 
the eating of meat or not eating of meats. Those that refused to eat meat sometimes were looked down upon by those who ate meats. And so there was this uh, the lack of respect one for another. And so he says, do what makes for peace. Don't do what makes for unity. Don't insist on your own way all the time. That's what causes disunity. In, in 1 John chapter uh, 3 and verse 16, which I always uh, have a correlation between this and John 3.16, it says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Because God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Because of that great love, because we understand that love, that He laid down His life for us, then what is our natural reaction towards our brethren? We're to lay down our lives for one another. And that doesn't necessarily mean I have to sacrifice my life, but oftentimes it means I'll have to sacrifice what I want and what I think is my rights for the betterment of other people. In 1 John chapter 4 Beginning in verse 8, says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we love God, but that He first loved us, or that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so love us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. You know, no man has seen God at any time. We don't see God, but we see the effect of God in our life when we love one another. And then uh, verses uh, 19 through 21, 1 John chapter 4. says, We love Him because He first loved us. If a man say, I love God... And hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. And so we, we see the need uh, for brotherly love, for loving one another, to treat one another as a loving member of our family. And so how is it? how can we promote this kind of unity in the church family. You know, sometimes, just like any family, we don't always uh, get along the way we should. We don't always treat one another the way we should. You know, we fight and we squabble and we complain and we struggle at times to get along. And this is what leads to disunity in a family and also certainly in the church. So how do we keep from uh, promoting disunity? What are we not to do? Well, the well, first thing is, is don't hold grudges for past slights and offenses. You know, there are some people, you know, they, the idea, they, they bury the hatchet and they, they leave the handle sticking out. They bury the hatchet. They never forget where they buried that hatchet. And so we need to forgive and forget to not hold grudges for past slights and offenses. You know, another way to promote disunity would be to, to badmouth one another. You know, to talk bad about uh, our own family. You know, people don't want to talk bad about their own physical family. Why would we want to talk bad about our spiritual family? You know, we're not to bully and demean and belittle, act like we're in some kind of junior high locker room. 
Uh, We're to avoid uh, treating others that way. Avoid saying things and doing things, whether it be in person or on social media or any other way to belittle or demean or tease and and pick on one another. Uh, You know, that happens in families, but it shouldn't. It happens in churches, and it shouldn't. Another thing we're not to do that, that promotes disunity is when we air our grievances outside of the family. Again, when you have a, a dis, in your own physical family, when you have some kind of you know, uh, disagreement or whatever within the family, it really should stay within the family, right? The same within the church. We shouldn't go about to airing our grievances about the church to people in the world, to people in social media, get on Facebook and rant about our local church. We're not to really do that. That promotes disunity. Another way to promote disunity is be a respecter of person, to treat some people differently than others based upon some other reason. (laughs) Be a respecter of persons. Uh, To form exclusive circles and disregard those that are outside of their group. To spread negative opinions about anyone. And uh, assume motives rather than give them the benefit of the doubt. And there's something right there that often... Uh, we can be guilty of is assigning a motive. We think, well, you know, they're saying this because of that. And so we assign a motive. Rather than just simply saying, you know, maybe there's something else going on, we give them the benefit of the doubt. And so those are some things not to do. Those are the things that lead to disunity. You know, how do we go about to heal any disunity that may be there? Again, you know, we're to let go of, of things. You know, we tend to hold on to things, and I have that problem. Somebody slighted me in the past, and I want to hold on to that. And, you know, there are times that I think, whoa, woe is me. Look at all these bad things that have happened to me and all the things that people have done to me, and I want to kind of savor those and, and kind of feel sorry for myself. You know, that's something we, we need to let go of. We just need to let those things go and forgive one another. Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4 says, take heed to yourselves. If any brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. You know, instead of voicing negativity uh, about that person or someone, others in the family, we ought to pray for them. You know, Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44. You've heard that it was said, uh, Thou shalt love thy enemy and hate thy, or love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good for them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. If we're to do that towards our enemies, then how much more should we do that towards those that are in our family, in our spiritual family, our church family? Love one another. Forgive. Pray. You know, another way to promote unity is to seek out those that need a friend. You know, we all need friendships. Proverbs 18, 24, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. The friendship that we have in, with one another in Christ uh, supersedes the friendship Uh, of a physical brother in many ways there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother 
Uh, you know, another way to promote unity is to make sure everyone feels at home and welcome. We're to, to uh, use hospitality towards one another. 1 Peter 4, 8, 9, above all these things have fervent charity. And I love that word fervent. It's something that, that boils over and bubbles over. It's so strong a word. It's uh, an intensive love for one another. Fervent love, charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality to one another without grudging. That's one way to promote unity. To spend time together. Look for ways uh, to serve those who can't serve you back. You know, oftentimes, you know, we, you know, my grandmother used to always give my grandpa a hard time. We'd be driving down the road and, and somebody's got a new tractor out there or somebody's got some implement that he would like to, to borrow sometime. He said, I'm going to remember that guy's got that so I can borrow it later. And uh, he's always looking for a way to, to get something without giving something in return. And so look for ways to serve others, though, who can't serve you in return. Uh, and then, you know, be willing to sacrifice what you want, maybe even what you need, on account of the needs of others. To put others first. You know, Galatians 5, 13 through 15 says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty... For an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. In other words, in all of this, we're to practice the golden rule at all times. Matthew chapter 7 verse 12 says, And whatsoever you would that men should do unto you, do you even so to them? Uh, and so we are to love our, our neighbor as ourselves. Uh, he says, uh, for this is the law and the prophets. What is it that we want someone to, how do we want someone to treat us? What is it that we would want someone to do for us? We do it for them. We do it for others. We seek whom we can help rather than who can help us. And so that's the golden rule. Where the golden rule prevails, brotherly love prevails. Uh, resentment and anger and the desire for revenge among Christians is, is easily quelled. We're no longer going to fight and bite one another and devour one another. You know, uh, this kind of love, this familial love that we have, uh, encourages acts of affection, friendship, and kindness. It makes us ready to, to receive correction and reproof. It will cause us to put the best... Uh, construction of the acts of others, again, uh, seeing the best in others, not reading motives into them. It will cause us to be slow to censor and criticize. It will greatly contribute to life and the vigor and the growth of the local church. John chapter 13, verse 15 says, For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. How has Christ lived? How has He shown us to live? How has He shown us to treat one another? That's how we ought to do. Follow His example. You know, there is a great importance in relationships in the church. Everybody needs their church family. We need each other. 
We, we need people we can trust with all of our troubles. You know, again, I, I think of us as we're making this journey to heaven. And it's like a, a, a difficult road with a steep mountain that we're climbing. You know, at times, you know, one might push ahead because they're really strong. But they got to stop and look back and, and help those that are behind. Sometimes we have to lean on one another because the load is too much for us to bear alone. And we've got to care, almost carry one another. You know, there are times when we might get to an area, a part of the trail where it's smooth sailing. And uh, things are easy. It's easy to get along when everything is going the way it should. But when it starts to become toilsome and difficult, that's when we need to lean on one another the most. And so we need each other. We cannot complete our mission as the church if we're disunity, if we have disunity, if we're amid squabbles and fights and arguments. You know, we must let brotherly love be the core of what unites us together. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, beginning in verse 1, says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know, there's the point there. We're endeavoring, we're striving to, to develop this unity in the bond of peace. He says, there is one body and one spirit, even as you're called and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. That's the basis of our unity. It's based upon these, uh, the fact that there's one body, one spirit. We're all called in one body. We are one family who is striving uh, to help one another go to heaven. Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 15 says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, we're show mercy towards one another, kindness, treat each other, that's how we treat one another, with kindness, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness, or humbleness of mind, You're thinking of others rather than ourselves, meekness, not what I want, but what is best for others. Long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13 says, For as the body is one and hath many members... And all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we have been made all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And so he goes on to talk about every part of the body has to do its part for the body to function as it should. And the same is true with the church of every member of the church is striving for those things that promotes unity and love and is seeking always to help one another go to heaven. That's the way we ought to be uh, and those are the things that unite us. Our common desire to go to heaven. You know, Paul said of those, his own 
family, his own uh, nationality, uh, talking about the Jews, that his, uh, above all, that his desire for them is that they go to heaven. Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. He wants his brethren to go to heaven. And as we look at one another, we ought to see one another as not just individual people, but not just individual strangers or people we see once or twice a week, but brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, as family. And as a family, we want to go to heaven. I want to see all of you in heaven. And the only way that we're going to get there is, first of all, being baptized into Christ, being added to the family of God when we believe and repent of our sins and confess our belief and we are baptized, we are added to the family of God. And as a, a member of the family of God, we've got to continue to walk and be faithful to Him. And that's where the family comes in. We help one another. Just like that mountainous road I was talking about. We carry one another, we bear one another's burdens, and we do everything we can to help one another go to heaven. What we don't want to do is put a stumbling block on the road to heaven in front of our brother. And we don't want our attitude and our actions to cause someone else to stumble. We want to help one another go to heaven. And that's really what it's about. That's why we're called out of the world. That's why we're separated from the world and we're set aside unto God is so that we can help one another go to heaven. This morning, we want to help you go to heaven. If you're not a Christian, we want you to go to heaven. And we want to help you to go to heaven. Maybe you, you want to study and learn more about what it takes to go to heaven, about what God commands for us to do in order to, to be saved. We're willing to set aside some time and study with you on that. We are here as one who is a Christian and hasn't been faithful. You haven't been walking worthy. You've, you've promoted disunity and you've caused someone to stumble. We urge you to repent and to come back. Maybe you've just had a lack of faith. Maybe uh, there's something in your life that is causing you to not have the relationship with God that you know you're supposed to have. We urge you this morning to come forward and let us know. Because we can help you. And we're willing to help you. We want to help you. If you're subject at all to the invitation of the Lord. To come unto me all ye that labor and heavy laden and I will give you rest. We urge you today to, to do so by coming forward and, and letting us know. As together we stand and sing.